Good morning, saints. Good to be with you all again. Another year passed by very quickly. Uh, <clears throat> as you see from your outline, uh, we come to a very uh, uh, particular, I would say also a very crucial subject. Can we all declare that together, the general subject for this conference? <clears throat> About one more time. Maintaining the nature of the Lord's recovery as seen in the New Jerusalem. Amen. Well, um, there's a lot of burden uh, within me for this weekend uh, in coming to this subject uh, touching the nature of the Lord's recovery. Um, we know the Lord's recovery has been on the earth for some time. Actually, uh, not only from the time of Martin Luther, but even soon after the apostles, the early apostles passed, the Lord had begun his uh, recovery work. And, uh, uh, you know, these days, uh, you know, as... Uh, uh, as we are seeing, you know, many uh, young ones, uh, new ones have come into the recovery, rising up. Uh, there's a lot of feeling within uh, many of us uh, how the lost recovery is going to go forward. Um, you look back, you know, in the church history for the last uh, 2,000 years, uh, I would just... Uh, very quickly uh, go over that a little bit. <clears throat> uh, after the, the Lord and also the early apostles passed away, then also, and actually the, the church began to degrade. Uh, and then Roman Catholicism uh, came in and the papal system was established uh, soon after that. <clears throat> And so, by the time of uh, 500 uh, or so A.D., so the, uh, the whole thing was actually very much has departed from the Lord's teaching and the early apostles' teaching. There has been a deviation, an uh, apostasy uh, brought in <clears throat> through the Roman, Roman Church. Then, following that, a thousand years, uh, which histo the historian called the Dark Ages, from 500 to 1500, around there, that uh, not only was there the deviation, the departure uh, from the Lord's teaching and the early apostles' teaching, but also uh, God's people were kept in a period of darkness and corruption uh, for a thousand years. So <clears throat> God had to come in to bring in a, uh, uh, a very, I would say, very um, uh, uh, striking move 
to begin his recovery work. That was, he raised up Martin Luther, right, in the early 1500s. And there we saw God's recovery work began in a very definite way. Uh, of course, it started in a very uh, touching, something very basic concerning man's being justified by faith, and also uh, the Bible can be opened up, available to all of God's children. <clears throat> so that's all. At, but at least that was a beginning to come out from that departure, come out of that deviation. So that was one step. Following him, God continued to recover many aspects uh, uh, of truth, of Christian life, such as the inner inner life, the uh, by people like uh, uh, Andrew Murray, <clears throat> beginning from Madame Goyan, these ones who uh, really touch something of of the of Christ being life in us, and also other things such as evangelism and uh, different practices in the churches. Then, <clears throat> so there was we were on the road of recovery, and especially through the British brethren raised up in the early 1800s, that God had, God used them to recover many of the buried, neglected, neglected truths in the Bible. They did a wonderful, wonderful job, although not, a, not for a very long time, just about 25, 30 years, God used them tremendously. And... <clears throat> In 19, early 1900s, that God came to the virgin soil of China. Virgin soil, by the, mean of, by, by, by the meaning of not being tainted by the Western religion, he went to China, a, basically an idolatrous country, a godless country, but he gained this young man, Brother Watchman Nee, in 1922, uh, and he, <clears throat> through him, uh, who stood upon the shoulders of the ones who have gone before, especially the, the brethren, with all their teachings, and the Lord began his recovery work among us, among us. And <clears throat> Brother Nee, in his 30 years of ministry from 1922 to 52 when he was in prison. He ministered concerning the matter of God's salvation. He ministered concerning the uh, practice of the church life on the earth. He ministered concerning our experience of Christ as life. And also, finally, toward the end, before he went to be the went to the uh, 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 he was imprisoned, he touched on the matter of the body of Christ. These were the main four main areas of Brother Nee's ministry: God's 
full salvation and the practice of the church as local churches, one city, one church, and the experience of Christ as life and the body of Christ. I would say even though it was an initial stage, but he touched the whole scope of the key revelations in the Bible. But then, due to the change of political situation there in China, uh, that in 1949, he sent his co-worker, his, his close co-worker, Witness Lee, outside of China to Taiwan. And then it, thereafter, he went to, came to America in 1962. So the recovery work has been going forward. Um, and to, well, from, from the time of Brother Ni nee being raised up in 1922 until now is a little over 100 years. This may, you may consider this is our history of the Lord's recovery. And I am mentioning all these because of I seeing many younger brothers and sisters now joining us, meeting with us, and uh, who may not have much idea uh, you know, where, we, where we came from. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a man of history. Actually, when I was in college, that was the least favorable, favorite subject of mine. But in these days, uh, as I get older, I really love history, especially the history in the Lost Recovery because it, it sheds so much light, so much meaning. Uh, and I really hope uh, the younger ones, you need, because uh, uh, you have not passed through uh, these things. And uh, you need to somehow pick up. You know, we do have some very uh, precious uh, publications among us. Um, you know, the two volumes set by Brother, Brother Lee, the training that he held in the uh, Far East, in Taiwan and Hong Kong, on the uh, 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 vision, vision uh, revelation, and, uh, and history of the lost recovery. Revelation and history, two ye- yellow, yellow uh, uh, cover volume. I highly recommend uh, you know, those uh, messages uh, to you all. So that you 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 that you can you can have a view of the history, so that you know uh, where we came from, what is uh, what is the foundation that we have we are standing on. <clears throat> and now, as we are moving beyond now, out of a hundred years, which is not a short time, you know, for any Christian group, if you look back, I have not done thorough research, but from based on my knowledge, in the last 2,000 years, you can hardly find another Christian group in a, as, a, as a whole who remain together for such a long time. Even with the brethren, British brethren, who were so powerful, they only lasted for about 30 years before they got uh, divided among themselves into many different uh, brethren assemblies. But today, that Praise the Lord. After 100 years, we are still here. We are still here. And even uh, after the last 26 years, after Brother Witness Lee passed away in 1997, without, without such prominent ministers, yet 
the Lord still kept us uh, here together, not not passively. I would say in the last 26 years, uh, a lot happened. The Lord continued to move, to spread, to speak. Uh, that is just amazing, right? I mean, God, God speaking is crucial. God speaking is still here, confirming to us this is His move, right? Although, you know, brothers such as Brother Nee, Brother Lee were gone, but the Word is still here with us. The ministry is still here with us, and we are still continuing on this. This is why, uh, this is not uh, to the credit of any particular person, but this is God's move himself. This is the, what we call the Lord's recovery. I hope we would treasure this. I have been in this for over half a century. I got baptized when I was six, in 1966. That's what, 56, 50, 56, 57 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, by the Lord's mercy that I've been here, and I, I do not regret one day of my being here in the Lord's recovery. And I hope many of you younger ones, you treasure where you are. We are really in the most, uh, as a most blessed people, in the most blessed place, inheriting all these uh, riches. Uh, so, but now we are facing a very new situation. Now we're coming out, coming off from the pandemic. And uh, I mean, that last three or four years was also a very, to me, is a very mysterious time. Uh, a lot of things happened beside the virus, beside the, uh, a lot of things happened. Um, uh, many, many dear brothers, co-workers, uh, had gone to be with the Lord in this uh, period of time. And uh, now we are, uh, you know, coming off this uh, uh, pandemic. To me, it was like a watershed. Suddenly, we find ourselves on the other side with many young ones, new ones. Um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the, well, the most senior co-worker uh, in the Lord's recovery went to be with the Lord, Brother Liu Sui in Taiwan at the age of 98, 98. He was the most senior co-worker. That's also, to me, is also uh, quite, uh, quite meaningful. Uh, so the Lord's recovery is uh, coming to a new page. Let me say a new page. You know, I recently I've been telling the same thing. I serve in the full-time training in Anaheim, you know, I'm looking at all these, uh, uh, you know, 250-some trainees we have there. None of them, I mean, were born when Brother Lee passed away. You know, they were all new. I mean, these ones, of course, they were all in full-time training. And, uh, <clears throat> but these ones now, no one. Uh, they, they heard of Watchman Lee's name. They heard of Witness Lee's name. But who he was, have no idea. They got to watch his uh, videotape once a, a video message once a once a week, but that's about it. And uh, you know, really, what is the Lord's recovery? Um, uh, I have very a lot of feeling and a lot of burden. Um, 
uh, how do we go forward, right? Facing this new generation coming in. We thank the Lord for seeing so many young people. I mean, in the recent, even in the recent uh, NACT, uh, the, uh, some of you were there, you know, in, uh, in Illinois. Uh, there were about, uh, uh, was it 1,800 or so? Uh, 1,800 uh, attendants. Uh, it was about the same number as pre-pandemic. It was just uh, about the same number, which, which tells us that just, uh, that itself is, a, is, a, is amazing that uh, the Lord, in spite of this uh, pandemic, still kept so many and has gained so many uh, young ones. Uh, among us. That tells you something. The Lord has not given us up. The Lord is still going forward now, but with a new, many young ones and new ones. Uh, you know, with some, with some Christian groups, when the leader passed away, you know, things started dying off, and there's no, no more young ones and new ones continuing, and gradually the thing just kind of uh, fades away. But here in the Lord's recovery, you know, even with the passing of uh, uh, the two senior brothers, Brother Nee, Brother Lee, and even many of the uh, senior co-workers among us, yet the Lord's recovery is going onward. It's still going forward, but with many new ones. Praise the Lord. We, are, we, have, in one sense, we have no shortage of young ones and new ones. Uh, in, in fact, there are some new faces I, I, I didn't see last year. You know, there are some new, more young ones, new ones being raised up here, which is a good thing. However, the point, the, the point is, uh, how will the recovery go on in the next 10 years? In the next 10 years. Will we be able to maintain the nature, as this, as a, this is a subject that um, we are touching this weekend, the nature of the Lord's recovery. The Lord's recovery is not another part of Christianity, is not another movement of men on the earth. No, the Lord's recovery is very particular. It is God's move, his testimony on the earth. In these last 2,000 years, I've mentioned to you a little bit of the, of the progression, uh, the history. God has, God has not stopped moving. In spite of all the challenges and uh, uh, difficulties and uh, complications, God still moved forward. <clears throat> And uh, uh, but we are certainly we are certainly entering into a uh, a very new situation, uh, new challenges before us. Uh, how uh, the Lord's recovery, the nature uh, of this testimony, can be maintained and preserved? And like you just like uh, look back at what I mentioned about uh, after the departure of the uh, of the Lord Jesus and the early apostles. Soon after, degradation came in, right? Uh, through different philosophies, different teachings of men, and they began to deviate from the Lord's teaching and went into darkness. We don't want to repeat that. We pray because the Lord's coming is imminent, is soon. There's no time for us to go through another detour, right? We have to. I don't know how many more years the Lord has before he returns. It should not be too long, looking at all the factors. So 
he only has a very short time for us to complete this course, right? For us to run uh, uh, the remaining race to reach our destination. I believe uh, the Lord, the Lord's heart, is also very urgent about this, right? He is also facing a, a time matter. You know what I mean? In a sense, he is. On one hand, he is eternal, but on the other hand, he does have a timing in doing things. The six days is about over, right? The six days, like the first six days in God's creation, the seventh day is about to begin, the day of rest. So <clears throat> the 6,000 years since, since Adam's uh, creation, we are about to p- pass through that. And so uh, from many angles, the Lord is waiting, waiting for the maturation of his of his uh, of all his believers to become mature, to be built up as his body, to be his bride, his counterpart, his counterpart that for whom she can he can come back. So we are at this juncture. Uh, you know, we are we are uh, coming to a, a a fairly short time, and short. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about a couple of years, maybe another uh, 10, 20, who knows, maybe another 30 years, I don't know, but it should not be too, too long. But in this time, now there is such a new situation before us, and can we go forward and be maintained, be faithful, be found faithful unto at his appearing? So this is the burden here this weekend, and uh, the nature of something is important. You know, the Lord's, uh, the Lord's recovery, uh, uh, you know, among us, we have, uh, the Lord has given us vision, revelation, and also certain practices uh, among us. But the Lord's recovery is not just about uh, practices, you know, of how the way we meet together, the way we, you know, we prophesy, everyone speaks, it's not just about that. That's, that's something on the outside. Most importantly, there is a nature. The nature is something intrinsic. It's something within. It's not, we, don't, we are not just a different group of people, of Christians, meeting in a very, very un, unconventional uh, way. You know? That's, not, you know, that's not what we are proud of. Proud of. Not what we are, uh, uh, should, not, we, should not what characterizes us. Really, what, is, what characterizes us should be the very nature within us. The nature of something is most valuable. If I have a piece of gold, a piece of bronze here put before you, they both look very similar. Their color, their appearance, about the same. But the value, very different, right? And uh, the nature is different. The nature, one is gold, right? Just even a little few ounces of gold is that's so valuable. You can have a big hunk of bronze. That's hardly worth that much, right? It's a totally different thing. So today, uh, this matter of the value, the, uh, the nature, is most crucial. I hope, as uh, the Lord uh, adds to the, the churches, many new ones and young ones, they can be helped to touch, to know, what the nature of the lost recovery is. 
this is most valuable. This determines the value, the weight, the weightiness uh, of this matter, right? And um, um, you know, we remember the Lord's teaching of the kingdom in in the book of Matthew, right? In Matthew 13, he likened the kingdom uh, to what? To like a mustard seed. A mustard seed is a, is a is an annual herb. You know, is for is to for nourishing people, and but strangely, that this seed grew up to become a huge tree. You know, and many birds reside in it. So, what does this mean? That parable the Lord gave concerning the appearance of the kingdom, that the kingdom was initially a small grain of mustard and is to be is to supposed to be a just a an herb uh, a small plant uh, for nourishing people but it grew up to become a big tree so this shows that there is some change had taken place the change of nature from the nature of an of a nourishing herb to become just a huge tree where many birds, the birds here actually refer not to, not to, not positive, but negative. The negative, the, all the demons or negative uh, uh, things are likened to the birds. Uh, you know, the birds came to, you know, to, to pluck away the, the seeds, the, the sower, so, you know, the, the birds came to snatch away the seeds. These are the, the, uh, the, the, neg- or the, the, the evil one. So the evil ones residing in this huge, humongous tree, right? So this shows you there's some, something happened to this seed. He also, the Lord also likened to the, uh, uh, the church, the kingdom, to fine flour, the fine flour. But uh, a woman put leaven in it and caused the fine flour to be puffed up. So this again shows that in the appearance of the kingdom, which is which points to the church today, that in appearance it goes through the changes to become corrupted. Is it corruption and uh, 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 a uh, uh, and deformation? Uh, so <clears throat> the Lord. So even in Matthew 13, this was the Lord already you may say prophesied, about the, uh, uh, the change of the nature of the church, right, in time to become uh, something just humongous, huge outside, but that is no longer nourishing to man nor to God. And also this fine flower, so pure, so fine, becomes something puffed up to just uh, facilitate to help people to to take in more easily, right? Using the leaven. So, dear brothers and sisters, we have to consider this matter of the nature. Can we maintain the nature of the Lord's recovery? Um, you know, in this next 10, 15 years, uh, that 
from Brother Ni, who stood upon the shoulders of many who went before him, we have been passed on a certain, not only many teachings, not only many practices, but a particular nature. The nature of the triune God in Christ as the Spirit to be life to us. This is our nature. This nature has to be maintained, preserved as the recovery goes forward. And the burden this weekend is to help us to see this nature with the view of the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem, which is the ultimate consummation of the whole Bible, the ultimate consummation of the entire economy of God. This is God's goal. This is how the whole Bible concludes. This tells you something. This is this is what's on God's heart. So this should become our standard. This should become our reference point. This is where we are heading. Man may change. Our environment may change. Situation change. But God will still have his goal. This goal is there. And in fact, John, the apostle, saw it. That means it's not going to, it's not whether it will happen. It is just when we're going to, to see it fully. As far as the apostle John, he even saw it. He already saw it. That means, saints, there will be the new Jerusalem. In fact, the new Jerusalem has to be replicated in a miniature way in the church life today. So, you know, even money can change. You know, today you, you, you count on U.S. dollars. U.S. dollars can change. De, you know, uh, can devaluate, can every, everything can change. But the new Jerusalem will never change. That is something that for sure. So this, that, this new Jerusalem <clears throat> can be considered the gold standard of our Christian life and our church life today. We cannot even look at using a certain, any church as a, as a standard. Right? The church in Denver. Can we use the church in Denver as the standard for all the churches to follow? Right? And neither the church in Los Angeles has been here for many, many years. Many, you know, churches can uh, uh, even have faces difficulty, faces, uh, you may some, sometimes we churches also undergo, you know, sometimes we, we, we deviate. We're not so faithful, not remaining on the central line. But the new Jerusalem remains the same, Amen. right? That is something that we should look to. We should always be mindful of. So, uh, message one, we will have, uh, this is, a big, this is uh, an introduction. The next three messages, we're going to go into see 15, 15 aspects of the New Jerusalem uh, to, as our checkpoint to, <clears throat> uh, uh, for us to check against our Christian life, our church life today. How we measure, of course, I'm sure we, we, all, we failed in all those aspects. But nevertheless, we need to keep in mind before us, right? Uh, this is not about you or I, you know, can do this. 
God has to be the one who worked this out. But we have to know where we are heading, right? What the what these characteristics are, so that we can truly uh, live out, work out the New Jerusalem as God desired. Okay, now um, let's take a look at this uh, message one. The title is The Goal of the Lost Recovery Being the Consummation of the New Jerusalem. Point one says we need to realize what the Lord's recovery is. I hope especially many of the young, younger ones, new ones among us, again I say the Lord's recovery is not another branch of, the, of today's Christian movement, and it is not our name. We are not called the Lord's recovery. We are simply the church uh, on the earth. We are the expression of the universal body of Christ on the earth in all the localities, uh, locality by locality, one city, one church, one church in one city, to express this one body of Christ. He says the Lord's recovery is the recovery of mainly two items, Christ as life and the genuine oneness. These are the, uh, so in brief, the Lord's recovery is characterized by these two matters. Intrinsically, by the matter of our having our experiencing Christ as our life. Intrinsically. Life is something very subjective to us. Christ is not only our Savior who saved us, redeemed us. Christ today, He lives within us. He is our life. This has to be the intrinsic content of the church. Right? The lost recovery is very much for this. If we don't have and we don't experience, we don't enjoy Christ as life, and we merely just come together to study about study the Bible, to do a different uh, good works for God, that is not the Lord's testimony. The Lord's testimony is being expressed, represented in a group of people by their enjoying Christ as their life. Amen. They live Christ. They enjoy Christ. They take Christ as they're living. Then also, second item is the, the <clears throat> genuine oneness among God's people. This relates to our practice, outward. More, this is more uh, on the outward side. That we are people. God's children is uh, uh, comprised of people from all nations, tongues, right, and background. Some all colors, all races, all background. But yet now we all got saved and we received God's life. We have the same Father. We have the same Christ living within us, same, enjoying the same Spirit. But how can we be one? We don't form our spiritual united nation. Every so often, come to the come to this United States nation and to declare our we are we we are one we are united. No, that doesn't work in the with United Nation. That has never worked because there's nothing 
intrinsically one with those people. But with us, as God's children, we have the same Father, we have to share the same life. So it is important that we exercise to keep, to to be diligent, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, be diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit. If, if, you know, I mentioned in the, in the Christian history, in the church history, even with the brethren, uh, they were so good in expounding the Bible in so many teachings. They were the tops. But unfortunately, they were not that diligent in keeping the oneness among them. So eventually, they were, due to different teachings, they were divided among themselves, one from another. They, could, they became many, many, uh, uh, you know, assemblies. Uh, many, you know, just within one city, different, different boulevards, different streets, they have their own assemblies. So division is our shame. It's a shame to us children of God, right? We are all born of the same Father. So today in the Lord's recovery, not only we enjoy Christ as our life, but we also must maintain and keep the oneness, oneness of all the believers. That's why in the Lord's recovery, in the last 100 years among us, through the practice of the local churches, right? At least we keep the principle. In one city, there should only be one church. Just unique expression should be unique. There should not be a church in this, on this street and then another, another denomination uh, on that street. We are not denominations. We cannot be denominated. You know, we are just the church, right? the body of Christ. And then not only many local churches, but even in, in the respective cities, but even collectively, we, we realize we are one body of Christ, right? The church in Denver is one with the church in Los Angeles, is one, is one with the church in Shanghai, is one with the church in Tokyo, is one with the church in Addis Ababa, in Ethiopia. We are, all, we are all part of the one body on the whole earth. This is, this is God's doing. So <clears throat> remember these two items. Number one says, Christ as life is the nature of the Lord's recovery, and oneness is the standing, the ground of the Lord's recovery. So one touches the nature, that is Christ as our life, and one touches the standing, uh, our standing uh, as the Lord's church of his recovery, that is oneness. Everything in the universe has a nature and a standing. Nothing exists without a nature and a standing. The Lord's recovery exists by its nature and by its standing. Just like this stand here, right? It's a wooden stand. That's its nature. It's wooden, right? It's not steel. It's not gold. It's wood. This is the nature. And uh, it can rot. It can, uh, you know. And also, it has a standing. It's being placed here in this position. So it serves a certain purpose, right? So... The, the church also must have a nature and also a standing in order for us to exist. So these are the two things. Number three, the church is nothing but Christ. The church is nothing but Christ. This is what we are. 
We are not just redeemed. The church is not just the redeemed. The church is Christ. As Colossians 3.10 tells us, that in the new man, there cannot be Jews, Greeks, barbarians, Scythians, circumcised, uncircumcised, Danvarian, Los Angeles. You know, there cannot be different people, different classes. But Christ, who is all and in all, in the new man, there can only be Christ. You have to be Christ. I have to be Christ. Christ has to absorb, swallowed up, has to swallow all of us up. That's why when you first believe in Christ, the Lord commanded, you need to be baptized. You need to declare from now on, you are not going to start living a better life. That's something, you know, as a Christian, now I'm, I'm going to start living a better person now, better life. No, the Lord says, upon believing, you need to be baptized. Baptism means what? Termination. When you go into that water, when you are being put into, under the water, you, de- you declare, I so-and-so from now on is over. It's no more. Another person lives. Like Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is what it means to be a real Christian. To be a real Christian is to be one who is no more. The natural person is no more. Another person lives. So the church is nothing but Christ. Thus, Christ as life is the content, the nature of the church in the Lord's recovery, and the genuine oneness is the standing of the church in the Lord's recovery. If we, if, if we who are in the Lord's recovery do not experience and enjoy Christ as life every day, that means we don't eat Him, we don't drink Him, we don't contact Him. We are merely just Sunday goers. We just go to church once in a while to fulfill the religious duty. There is no nature. The nature is absent. You are just fulfilling a certain duty. And the church is something just as a facade. As a facade, just, oh, this is the church in Denver. But inside is hollow. Hollow, because no one enjoys Christ. No one knows Christ is their life. They just come here to fulfill certain duty. That is sad. And also, the church has to have a standing. Our standing is that we are one. Although we are from different backgrounds, different culture, different language, and tongues, and so forth, we are one. The very life within us, the very nature within us, demands that we would keep this oneness. We have one spirit within us. If we become divided, this testimony will be no more. Like what the brethren happened to the brethren. At a certain point, they, because of division, in spite of how, how uh, useful they were in expounding God's word, because of division, they were scattered. They were scattered. Once they are scattered, divided, they became nothing. So the Lord's recovery cannot be like that. 
and should not repeat that. So always be mindful that Christ is our life to be our content within, and also the oneness must be our standing. We have to be diligent, endeavor to keep the oneness of the Spirit. As soon as the church becomes divided, then that that the church immediately loses its usefulness before God. Then B says, the church today is the miniature of the new Jerusalem in the future. And the Lord's recovery on earth represents his church. The church today is a miniature of the new Jerusalem. Do you believe that, brothers and sisters? You know, the New Jerusalem, Brother Lee had been speaking about this for so many years, so many messages. You look at the, you know, God's New Testament economy, that book, how many, I think 12 or 14 messages on the New Jerusalem. So much has been opened up to us, unprecedented. You can look, you can, I, I can challenge you. I will challenge you. You can, you go to read, if you can, all the, all the writings in the last 2,000 years among Christians. Who spoke about the New Jerusalem? No one even dared to come close to this subject because they considered this is, this is something beyond our understanding. No one, no, don't worry about it. This, this is our heaven, right? That we will, every Christian will go there someday. So don't worry about it today. Just enjoy your life today. No, no, no. Here is a, here is a brother, a faithful brother who came to this part of the word in Revelation, the last two chapters, as a conclusion to the whole Bible. And there, what, what do we see? We don't just see, we don't see a parade of redeemed ones throughout the ages, parading down the aisle, shouting, praise, glory be to God, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, here's Paul, here's John, here's Andrew, here's... Peter, oh, wonderful work of God done, done to me. No. At the end of the Bible, John was shown the holy city. Amen. One city just descended from heavens. But yet this city includes you and me and every all of God's saints throughout the ages. All are there. Old Testament, New Testament, all have been built into this city. No longer just gathered one by one, you know, uh, uh, demonstrating how, how grateful they are to God's grace, you know, this and that, this and that. The end result, God's, the, the very conclusion of the whole Bible, of God's economy, is this one built up city, constituted with God's people from the Old Testament, New Testament, and God and the Lamb are all there, constructed, built together to become this holy city called New Jerusalem. And, and the wonderful thing was, it was not a talk, not just a description. John saw it. John saw it. That means as far as God is concerned, it's done. It's finished. It's a finished product. Then you say, well, where is it? Well, God 
With God, there's no element of time. He is eternal. So with him, it is a, an accomplished fact. The New Jerusalem is, has been constructed, finished. And that determined our future. That determined the rest of our life. This is where we are heading to see the full realization, fulfillment of this New Jerusalem in our life. We are not going there as to go to a, a, a strange land, a, 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 uh, 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 a foreign place, a, a distant uh, a place. The New Jerusalem was seen by John as a spiritual reality which needs to be applied to the church life today. The precursor, I think it's also in the outline. Let me finish reading the, the sub-point. One says, we, need to, we must see that God's eternal heart's desire is to have the new Jerusalem, the body of Christ. Then we must see that God's way to gain the new Jerusalem is by building up the local churches in time in each locality to be the miniatures and representatives of the new Jerusalem living out in principle and in nature the living of the body of Christ. And three, through this body life, the churches can manifest the life of Christ to be the testimony of Christ. These two points cover God's eternal intention and what God wants to do today. The precursor of the New Jerusalem is the body of Christ. The New Jerusalem, I say again, is not a physical city, it's not the heavenly mansion that, that uh, many Christians uh, uh, you know, thought, that, that, thought it was. The, the, the New Jerusalem is the greatest sign revealed to us in the book of Revelation. Just like earlier, you have Christ as a lion lamb, right? Remember, among all the elders, you know, the lamb stood up. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And there's a lamb stood up. You think Christ stand up as the, as the lamb? No, he was not. That was not, that was just a, a sign. The Redeemer, redeeming God as the lamb who overcame Satan. He was the lion lamb. He is worthy to open the scroll. So the whole book of Revelation is filled with signs. Filled with signs. The golden lampstand, signifying the churches, are also signs, right? Signifying every local church. It's not like a lamb. That's a, a lamb. That's a, we, we, we are golden lampstands as a sign to show us the testimony we should bear with lamps shining brightly with the golden nature. So the New Jerusalem also is the sign. It's the greatest sign. It's the ultimate sign, signifying the spiritual reality of God and man being built together, being incorporated as one entity for God's eternal expression. So today, the, the precursor of the New Jerusalem is the body of Christ, which is being realized, expressed as local churches on the earth today. So the local churches, in the local churches, we are expressing, we are learning, we are experiencing 
to live the living of the body life, right? I hope in the local churches we are we will not be only living the local church life. However sweet the church life, the church in Denver may be. You love all the saints here. You have sweet fellowship in the home meetings and the homes. Well, <clears throat> in all the local churches, we live, we learn to live the body life. Not only of the saints in your locality, in your small group, in your district, but saints all over the earth. We are members of the one body. And this body of Christ is the very precursor of the New Jerusalem. So the New Jerusalem should, be, should have its miniature in the church life today. We should not put New Jerusalem so far away. The New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem is actually very close to us, very close to home. So number two, that number two says it, the way for God to gain the New Jerusalem is by building up the local churches in time, in each locality, to be the miniatures, to be the representatives of the New Jerusalem. So we are, by saying all that I have said, I don't mean at all to belittle the local churches. Actually, this makes the local churches even more important, more crucial, to be a stepping stone for us to learn to live the body life so that we can realize, can issue in the New Jerusalem. So you may say, if we don't live in the local churches today, then the New Jerusalem would be vanity to you. It's empty. You will never be there. Today, by properly living in the local churches, enjoying the life of the body, we have a taste of the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem actually can be realized, can be tasted in the church life today. I'll go on, let me go on to Romans 2. The New Jerusalem is not a physical city or heavenly mansion where all the redeemed saints dwell. <clears throat> Instead, it is a living composition of all the saints redeemed by God throughout all the generations. Saints, the the New Jerusalem was seen not only by the Apostle John. The Lord Jesus spoke about the city, the, 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 uh, the house that he was going to build. He, he is going to prepare a place for us. There is a place that in John 14, the Lord spoke. He is going to the Father to prepare a place for us. There will be many abodes, not many apartments. You know, many apartments. Stephen, one, you know, and Brian and Brother Peter, you know, we all share, share different apartments. We are the many abodes, many parts of this new Jerusalem, the place in the Father. And the Apostle Peter also spoke about the new Jerusalem, but not as explicit. I think it's in Second Peter, probably chapter 3. Um, he mentions that in the new heaven and new earth, where righteousness dwells. Righteousness there being personified. Righteousness is not just it becomes all righteous. Righteousness as a noun dwells there. That righteousness is the new Jerusalem. 
We know Christ is, that righteousness is Christ. That righteousness also is the believers, right? In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, "Why, He who knew no sin, he was made sin on our behalf. That we might become, what? God's righteousness in him. We, we do not only become righteous, we actually become God's righteousness. We are God's righteousness. That is more than just being made righteous. We are God's righteousness. Christ is God's righteousness. So in a new heaven and new earth, there is something called righteousness, personified, dwelling there. That actually is the new Jerusalem. And the Apostle Paul also pointed to that. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 22, he says, we are what? We are going, uh, uh, let me read that to you. It's very precious. In, verse, in chapter 12, 22, you have come forward to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels, to the universal gathering and to the church of the firstborn. Here in the Apostle Paul, even spoke of that. We are coming. We are coming not to Denver. We are not coming to, to the church in Denver meeting hall. We are going to the, to the assembly. We are going to the church of the firstborn. We are going to the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen. So Paul spoke of that. So in, in, in in, even in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the ministry, in his ministry, he had this in view. Of course, the Apostle John made it so much more clear that he actually saw the New Jerusalem. So the New Jerusalem is not a physical city. It's a uh, living composition of all the saints redeemed by God throughout all the generations. Now, A says, the New Jerusalem is the ultimate consummation our God is a God of purpose. We need to see and realize what the ultimate consummation of His purpose is. The answer to this question is the New Jerusalem. The Bible has a beginning. It also has an ending. The Bible opens up with saying, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. And how does, how does the Bible end? The Bible ends, the last two chapters, showing us that, behold, there is a city. The holy city descends. And God and the Lamb are at the top of the city. From the God who created the heavens and the earth, passing through 66 books, 6,000 years, arriving at this stage, you see... God and the Lamb on the throne of this holy city, New Jerusalem. The Bible, the ending of the Bible, the conclusion of the Bible is crucial. That's why I said earlier, we are so blessed, brothers and sisters, of, among all people. We know how the Bible concludes and how, what it means to us. The New Jerusalem is the ultimate consummation. It consummates, the conclusion 
brought to an end of all that God had done in the last 6,000 years, his creation, his redemption, his building work, his transformation, all the work that God has been doing for the last 6,000 years, finally has a consummation issuing in this city called the New Jerusalem. The New, the new Jerusalem is the ultimate consummation of God, of God's salvation, of Christ's redemption, of the Spirit's transformation, and of every positive thing. In Brother Lee's hymn, you know, what Miracle of Mystery, the last answer says, Jerusalem, the ultimate. Of visions and, uh, uh, and visions, the, the totality. The New Jerusalem is the totality of all the visions from the vision of Jacob in, Ge- in Genesis 28. That was the first vision, official vision, God gave to man. And it's concerning, concerning what? A building. The oil poured upon a stone pillar, which Jacob called Bethel. That was the first vision. And then all the ensuing visions eventually culminated, consummated at the ultimate vision the new Jerusalem. No wonder Brother Lee himself said, nearly near the end of his life, he testified, after studying the Bible for 69 years, if you ask me, what have you seen? Then Brother Lee said, I saw the new Jerusalem. <laughs> 69 years of study, David. What do you see? You don't see Oh, Christ's redemption. Sinners saved by grace. Well, which is not a small thing. But there's something higher. If you ask Martin Luther, that's all he would tell you. 500 years ago, that's all he saw. He saw a little bit other things, but mainly that he saw. You ask John Nelson Darby, Bible, king of the Bible exposition. What did he see? He also saw a lot. But our dear brother Lee says, I saw the new Jerusalem. 69 years of studying the Bible culminated in one thing. I hope I will be also be able to say after X number of years, just be in the word, in the ministry. I see the new Jerusalem. These days, uh, that's why somewhat this is my burden now, the new Jerusalem. Uh, speaking in the new Jerusalem. In the, actually, about, about a month, a little over a month ago, we had a North America Chinese-speaking perfecting training. I don't know anyone of you were there. We had uh, you know, about 300-some saints in person there in Anaheim. And then another 2,700 online on Zoom. Four days. And our main subject was the application of the interpretation of the New Jerusalem. Many new ones and young ones there. Someone got saved, uh, uh, saved only four months. They were there and they testify. I see the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is not something so far off, so far-fetched. The New Jerusalem very applicable. You know, the more I speak, the more I feel this, this, is, this is not something so far away. Years ago, 
I have to admit, oh, it's a, the New Jerusalem is so high, so far, so far-fetched. We can speak about it, but I, just, I still felt a distance. But these days, I felt it's so close. We are becoming the New Jerusalem. We have to live out the New Jerusalem. These are, this, this is the age of the New Jerusalem. So, Nabi says, the New Jerusalem, a marvelous, wonderful, and amazing entity, is the aggregate of all the visions and revelations in the Holy Scriptures, the total accomplishment of the types, figures, and shadows, the total fulfillment of the prophecies of the Holy Scriptures, and the final conclusion of the 66 books of the Holy Scripture. See, the New Testament as the organism of God is the good pleasure of his good of his heart's desire, his ultimate goal, and the complete fulfillment of the eternal economy of God. Uh, these are, uh, I think these points uh, speak for itself, how wonderful this is. These are what the New Jerusalem is. Then point D, the New Jerusalem is a composition of God's chosen, redeemed, regenerated, sanctified, renewed, transformed, conformed, and glorify people who have been deified. This is the process of God's organic salvation from the time that we were regenerated, we were sanctified, we were renewed, we were transformed, we were conformed and glorified. Now, this is the process of deification. We are being made God, not in His Godhead, but in life, in nature. Dear saints, if we are born of God, and we are not God, then what are we? A dog, if you are born of a dog, better be a dog, right? If it comes out as a cat, then something is wrong. The dog begets a dog. A man becomes, begets man. We who have been begotten of God must be God. Not in his Godhead, for sure, as the one who is all sovereign, who created all things. No, we cannot be that. But we must be God in his life, in his nature. Isn't this, isn't this true in all of us? Don't you have God's life? If you have God's life, say amen. amen. If you have God's nature, say amen. amen. Then you are God. You have God's life and you have God's nature, then you say, I'm not God. And what is this? This is to be deified. We are becoming, we have become God in life and nature, and we are still in the process of growing to become more like him. At, at the time when he comes back, as said in, in, sec, in 1 John chapter 3, when he appears, we all shall be like him. We shall be like him. We will be the same as he is in life and nature, in his appearance, in his essence. This is deification. And the New Jerusalem is a composition of this. It's not just God and the Lamb and with those who have been redeemed by the blood from the, all the from all their the fall from the sinful condition, still fallen men. No, brothers and sisters, these ones cannot make it to the New Jerusalem 
the ones who made it into the New Jerusalem must be God in life and nature. You must be compatible with him. In the new heaven and new earth, there's nothing of earth, nothing of dust. No dust there. Everything is golden. Everything is divine. So we human have been made divine. We have been divinized, deified, in order to be qualified to be a part of the new Jerusalem. One says for us to be deified means that we are being constituted with a process and consummated triune God so that we may be made God in life and in nature to be his corporate expression for eternity. Number two, the new Jerusalem is built by God constituting himself into man to make man the same as God in life and in nature and constitution so that God and man may become a corporate entity. The very God who is in the New Jerusalem, we're told at the top of this mountain, God and the Lamb is there on the throne. Not just God, but the Lamb is there. Who is the Lamb? That is God the Son, who is God became, became a man. He became a lowly man, like us. Praise the Lord for the Lamb of God. Amen. Not only he be, took away our sins, he became a man like us. On the throne at the top of the New Jerusalem is God and the Lamb. A God, the God, the very God who has incarnated to become a man, to become our Redeemer. God has been processed by his incarnation, by his crucifixion, by his resurrection, and his ascension. Now he ascended and is still a man there on the throne, a glorified man. God has put on human nature, not just only for the 33 and a half years, but even now in eternity, a son of man is still there. He brought humanity into glorification. And man, through his organic salvation, has been deified to be made God in life and nature. The God who became a man and the man who had been made God now become compatible. Now we can become a loving pair. So, the New Jerusalem, point three says, the New Jerusalem is God himself enlarged with his redeemed by the way of constituting, uniting, and mingling. Thus, the deification of the believers is a process that will consummate in the New Jerusalem. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. Christ is not going to marry a turtle. That is totally incompatible. Christ is going to marry someone who is like himself. We are, to be, we are being in the process to be constituted, to be the bride, the counterpart of Christ, not just to be some good persons, good human beings. We have to become God. 
in life and nature. Number four says, on God's side, the triune God has been incarnated to be a man. On our side, we are being deified, constituted with the process and consummated triune God, so that we may be made God in life and in nature to be his corporate expression for eternity. This is the highest truth and the highest gospel. Amen, Amen, brothers? We need to preach this highest gospel. This is the highest truth. What can be higher than this? The last message of this conference will come to this highest point. Highest point of God's revelation, the highest point even of the Lord's recovery is to arrive at this, the New Jerusalem. Okay, E says, another definition, the New Jerusalem is a universal couple, a loving pair eternally, the consummation of the divine romance. Wasn't it precious? The very first life study message Brother Lee gave in the book of Romans, the first life study training, the first message, he said, the Bible is a romance. What a, what a, what an unveiling that was. The Bible is not a book of doctrines, teachings, stories. The Bible is a divine romance. A romance between God and his people. God is to be the husband. The people is to be the wife. Oh, this is so precious. The New Jerusalem is the very fruition, the very... Uh, fulfillment of this. So at the end of the Bible, there is a couple. There is a universal couple, a loving pair appearing there. One says, Revelation 22:17 indicates that Christ and the New Jerusalem as his wife will be a universal couple for eternity. The Spirit, who is the totality of the process and consummated triune God, becomes one with the believers who are now fully matured to be the bride. So Revelation 22, uh, 17 uh, tells us that uh, the Christ, the Spirit, and the bride say come. In, the first, in, in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, the Spirit was speaking to the churches. But in, by the time you reach Revelation 22, it says that the Spirit and the bride. Who is the bride? The bride is the, the church, the totality of all the believers who have been regenerated, sanctified, renewed, transformed, and glorified. This is, they become the bride. Now the Spirit speaking together with the bride. Hallelujah. You know, Many times at a wedding, you see the husband and the wife giving vows to each other, right? Then one occasion, you see a husband and wife speaking something so sweet to one another. But many times, because of, you know, after many years, the husband says this, but the wife says this. You know, they speak differently, separately. But here, it's so wonderful. At the beginning of Revelation, the Spirit speaking to the church, right? A lot of things. But then at the end of Revelation, now the Spirit and the Bride speaking together as one. Isn't this marvelous? So we are enjoying the Spirit speaking today. But on day coming, we are going to speak together with Him. 
together with him. Oh, this is wonderful. Number two says, <clears throat> the consummation of the process and consummated trying God and the consummation of his regenerated, transformed, and glorified people will be a universal couple expressing the triune God for eternity. Three, Revelation 21, 2 says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Here it says John saw it. He saw the city already completed, descending. I hope this also be our vision, that as John saw it, we see it. Thank you, Lord, for showing me the new Jerusalem. Amen. It's not something in the good by and by in the future. It's here right now. Right now. Now, lastly, that section, Roman 3, in the Lord's recovery, our goal is for the consummation of the new Jerusalem. According to the entire revelation of the, Holy, of the New Testament, the unique goal of the Christian work should be the new Jerusalem, which is the ultimate goal of God's eternal economy. I mentioned about, you know, with the Lord Jesus, with Peter, with John, with Paul, with Paul and John, their ministry always had the new Jerusalem in view. So today, our church life, our Christian life and our church life must also have the new Jerusalem as our goal the ultimate goal. Be says today, we establish the churches, edify the saints, practice the vital groups, visit people by door knocking. But our aim, our goal, is for the consummation of the new Jerusalem. Amen. Do we have this realization? Is this our goal? When we go to visit certain new ones, is this with the goal of the new Jerusalem? Many years ago, Brother Lee gave a conference to the, you know, a training or conference with the, the leading ones in the churches. I was sitting there. It was in Ball Road in Anaheim. And Brother Lee was talking about this, New Jerusalem. He said, you, brother, the leading ones, when there is a couple having difficulty in their marriage life, what do you do? You go to visit them oh, to, uh, to uh, help to solve their marriage problem, you know, uh, you, 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 you uh, uh, take, a, take back, uh, you go halfway, you know, bear with one another, you know, give some good words, you know, try to, try to appease their situation. Brother Lee said, no, that is religion. That is just your social work. You need to help them with the new Jerusalem. Amen. When I first heard that, I scratched my head. What are you talking about, Brother Lee? <laughs> Using the New Jerusalem to help somebody with marriage problem, this is totally a different thing, you know. The New Jerusalem is something far off in the future. You know, my problem is right now here, how to take care of this, my, my, my angry husband and the complaining wife and how to very, very things, you know, at my, in front of me. A brotherly really meant it. But through the years, through the years now, I began to understand a little bit. Brotherly was not joking. He really meant it. Because he saw, even in shepherding a saint, you have to have the New Jerusalem. You don't just go to tell this couple, well, the New Jerusalem is God and the Lamb there, and then with the river, you know. No, that you are a preacher. You just teach the New Jerusalem. You have to use the element of the New Jerusalem to help this couple. Without maybe not even mentioning the New Jerusalem. The words, 
But everything you said was a characteristics of the New Jerusalem. Okay, let me finish. Uh, C says, the degradation of the church is mainly due to the fact that nearly all Christian workers have been distracted to take many things other than the New Jerusalem as their goal. This is a very crucial point. This is the main distraction, main work Satan is doing to not to distract us by sinful or worldly things, but by many even good things, spiritual things, to distract us from taking the New Jerusalem as our goal. Hence, under the degradation of the church to be overcomers answering the Lord's call, we need to overcome not only the negative things, but even more the positive things that replace the New Jerusalem as the goal. Your Bible reading, your spirituality pursuing, your gospel work, saving many. Don't misunderstand, I'm just, you know, to downgrading these. These are all necessary things we, we Christians must do. But we must do them for the New Jerusalem. In light, in view of the New Jerusalem. He says, to be overcomers, we should take the goal of God's eternal economy, the New Jerusalem, as our unique and ultimate goal. We need to remember this goal. If after this weekend, nothing else remain, you can remember, if there's only one thing. How brother? New Jerusalem is my goal. Amen. Amen. I think that would be wonderful. Right? The last point. We are leading people toward the New Jerusalem to consummate the New Jerusalem by drinking the Spirit and eating Christ for us to receive His rich and fresh supply. We are working toward the New Jerusalem and uh, we are also leading others to keep drinking the river of water of life, eating the tree of life, we are on our way be, to become the new Jerusalem. Amen. I better stop here. I hope that there's still enough time for saints to respond.